You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Claret and Blue podcast. Aston Villa have yet again failed to win a game of football. Matt Kendrick, just talk at me so I don't have to do anything in this episode. Just talk at me. What, just want me to go on a stream of conscious rant? Yeah, just talk for 20 minutes and we'll just upload that and I can just go home and do something else. Okay, so you need to set me, it's like a kind of university dissertation, you need to set me a Aston Villa are getting relegated, discuss, <laughs> dot, dot, yeah, dot. Ten marks, explain your workings, what's going wrong. I think Aston Villa's players aren't good enough, I think. Yeah. Um, Four marks, well done. I'm going to say, why, why do I need to write 10,000 words on it? That, that, that's done it, isn't it? And this quality, this lack of quality is really being exposed horribly now. Uh, you know, we've all cried out for Dean Smith to play two up top as if that was the answer. I actually think he should stick with, with, with two up top now. I think it allowed it allowed Keenan Davis to kind of be the workhorse that we know he is. But uh, also, you know, if he could get hold of the ball, it meant that he got somebody alongside him. He could either try and find or, you know, at least if he's laying the ball off, we've got Sumatra who can make runs into the box. So, But it was never going to be the kind of, you know, the silver bullet that fixed things overnight. Um because player for player, man for man, Villa against their direct opposite number most weeks. You know, we can say, the exception of Jack Grealish, most weeks, um, Villa are, are inferior in quality to their opponents. Yeah. And if they're not going to be superior in quality, sorry, superior in intensity and effort, mm. then they're going to lose lose more matches than, than they win which is stating the obvious I know uh, like Dean Smith has come out post-match hasn't he and kind of aimed a little pop or a little dig at the Premier League for, for making Villa play so many games in a short period of time Is that really a good excuse? It's, it's one of these ones where it's kind of, you know, me who's a, a lazy five-a-side player who, who, who plays football once a week and, and you who, although you've, you've, you've embarked on this intense fitness plan and you, you're going running every <laughs> night, we don't know, do we, what professional sport fati- fatigue actually is or feels like or does to those kind of, you know, those kind of little edges and those little differences between people's games. We're not the only ones in that boat, though, are we? Wolves have played, their season started last July. I've seen Villa put, put in flat performances in pre-season before. I've seen I've seen Villa put in flat performances, slap bang in the middle of the season. So I think regardless of how the fixture list, um, you know, what it throws at them, that's that's why that's why Premier League clubs have kind of vast squads. That's why Premier League clubs have, you know, kind of million pound kind of training, multi million pound training grounds and conditioning teams and stuff like that. So, like you say, kind of over the course of it all, it probably kind of everybody has to suffer the suffer the same issues. So, I can understand. Like, listen, Smith's kind of is a man under pressure, so he doesn't want to kind of point the finger at his team. He doesn't want to point the finger at himself. So, it's a bit of diversionary kind of deflection tactics to me. Um, but do you? I've been talking and talking and talking like you demanded. Do you want to get a word in edgeways or? <laughs> I'm just annoyed. I'm just annoyed now. Done a few tweets throughout the game. I, I tweeted one that kind of sums up. I mean, might as well just be the title of this episode. To be honest, that I'm just sick of seeing 
rubbish footballers now. I think there's been a lot of kind of talk post-match about you know the players don't look like they care or they don't look like they're willing to put the effort in. And I'm not I'm not fully convinced that's true. I don't think it is a, the fact that they don't care. Perhaps one or two of them might, but you know there was the whole talk we did on the last episode about you know people are saying Grealish knows he's off, so he's not interested. And again, I, I don't I don't buy into stuff like that really. I just think that the quality of the footballers that we've got are not good enough, and we're 19th in the Premier League for a reason because that's the standard of footballer we've got it's just frustrating that because of how last season went and we win those 10 games in a row and clinch promotion and then I've, I've said before about how you kind of feel like we're on the road to building something and you can't do that if you get relegated it felt like it was supposed to be the start of Villa putting a, a five or six year plan together and, and kind of cementing themselves back in the Premier League and all that's going to be undone now isn't it because the likelihood is we're, we're probably going to go down we've got six games we're a game behind our, our rivals now. We all play tomorrow. I suppose the the only slither of silver lining is that if they lose again tomorrow, again there's been no movement and it's just one game less to to fight for. And that points total comes down again to thirty two or thirty three or something. But it's just frustrating. I'm just I'm just bored of it now. Oh, I don't know. It's it's. I feel like we we run ourselves around in circles because as much as football is this thing that you is just ingrained into you and you you kind of that that will never go away this part of your life just brings you so much misery <laughs> and it's like i'd love to just zone out for it for the, for six months and not have to think about it but it doesn't work like that but this football comes around and at the moment every three or four days and just kicks you while you're down and you start today thinking, oh well, two up top. Maybe this is maybe this is the day that we start to improve. And even being nil nil at half time, when I thought we'd get battered by Wolves, you have that that little bit of hope inside you that thinks, oh, if we sneak a goal here, we might be okay. And you lose one nil, and that feels all the more frustrating that if we were slightly better or slightly more coherent as a side, we might have snuck something today. And ultimately, we haven't, and we're nineteenth. And I don't know. I just I'm just sick of it now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say apart from just calling the episode here and going. What I'd say is it's an interesting point you make about kind of you know we've we've had a kind of break from football, so it gave us that appetite to get it back. What I'd say it's kind of Aston Villa kind of ruining weekends since 1874. But again, this comes back to the behind closed doors thing for me. Put put the performance alongside the, to to one side for a minute, and the result. It's kind of it's supposed to be escapism. At least, at least if you're at Villa Park today, you can go and have a moan to the bloke next to you, or you can go and have a whinge or a chant or a boo if you're that way if you're that way inclined. Whereas, you know, like I say, it's supposed to be an alternative to kicking the cat going to watch the football. But if you're having that moan and that whinge in in your in your own home anyway. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, there's, there's no fun in it is there, in the football that we're seeing at the moment and obviously part of that is performance related as well but the fun of football you, I think I've realised now isn't it, well, I mean, it's pretty obvious isn't it when we're, we're rubbish at the actual game itself but it's not about the 90 minutes is it? it's about going in that routine of a match day and, and meeting family or friends and having a drink and a sing song and travelling the lengths of the country to go and support the team with people that you enjoy spending time with that's what the fun of football was and now that we just have to tune in on the telly for 90 minutes and listen to Glenn Hoddle as well well, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what an absolute joke of a commentator, by the way. It's just, it's not fun, is it? And when, and when that's coupled with losing football games and being 19th in the Premier League, it's it's hard to look at that and think, oh, well, this is a positive or that was a positive. The only kind of little positive I can think of is that 
maybe the goal difference might be important later down the line that it was only one nil and that's the worst positive that I think I can find but I felt like it would be a three or four nil today is, is how I thought I saw it was going in my head so maybe if it comes down to it we'll look at that look look back at that and think that that one nil for goal difference was okay well listen you've spoken about the quota of fun don't you think we used up our quota of fun last year we ain't going to get any fun anytime soon. We've, we've had our We've had, we've our had fun. the trip to Wembley this year as well, haven't we? What are we thinking? We've had a cup run. That was our fun this year. What I'd say about um, Glenn, oh, Glenn Hoddle was... Uh... <laughs> I, love that, I love that I've just made a couple of points about the game there, but the one you want to pick up on is Glenn Hoddle. That's what this podcast is. This is what the escapism is for football. Let's just talk about something else. But, you know, I used to like Glenn, Glenn Hoddle and Chris Waddle, and not just because their names rhymed, but they were my favourite non Non Aston Villa players as a as a young as a young man then as a young lad discovering football in the kind of um, mid to late eighties and then kind of really ramping up through the through the nineties. Like Waddle, Waddle first of all was the only only person back then who did stepovers. Do you know what I mean? He was the only person who manipulated a ball. And it was like amazing. But and then Glenn Hoddle, I shared a. a, a, a clip of one of his goals on on twitter earlier saying he should stick to stick to watching that old, that watching his goal back rather than rather than summarizing <laughs> he was he was a magnificent player honestly I, I i urge you actually scrap if you're listening to this or watching this on youtube scrap it now just switch us off and go and look at um glenn hoddle and black and, and, and um chris chris waddle um in terms of in terms of their skills anyway glenn hoddle as a summarizer what did he say jack Greeley should be in the arc I presume he means the D, playing like a number 10 kind of just outside the penalty box. He's like, oh, what I like to call it is that he should be on the area of the arc a little bit more. He's like, what are you talking about, mate? <laughs> Come off it. The kind of adulation for Traore and Wolves as a whole as well. There was one moment where, again, Wolves, Traore, Jimenez, Neves, Moutinho, a lot of these players, great side, fully deserve where they are and what, what they could potentially achieve this season with Europe or top four not taking anything away from that at all but Glenn Hoddle kind of raving about Adama at one point kind of sidestepped past Neil Taylor and then burst into a sprint and got past him and he was like oh the, the turn of pace was incredible there it's like man's run past another man is what's happened there there's was, there was nothing incredibly special about that and then there was a line at the end about if they do make it into Europe or the Champions League that no side in Europe will want to face this Wolves side it's like what you really think Real Madrid Barcelona and Juventus and sides like this elite teams in Europe are looking at Wolves thinking whoa don't want to play against them and yes they're a good side but come on Glenn let's have a little bit of realism they're, they're good but the way he's made them sound like prime Barcelona tonight well listen back on the arc for a minute yeah, you know, I tweeted saying kind of um, you know Glenn Hoddle trying to impose his Christianity, his religion on the world again by talking <laughs> talking about the Ark. When I tweeted that Villa's club chaplain Rev John um, tweeted me, and I thought, oh no, 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 no! But he he did he did two laugh he did two laughy face emojis. So I'm all right, I'm all right. So I did apologise. So sorry, John. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, what you're talking about Adama Traore, we might as well we might as well touch upon Adama Traore now. You know, you were saying that kind of the commentators um, were giving it. I think Darren Fletcher and um, and Glenn Hoddle were giving him giving him the big build up, saying, you know, I wonder if Neil Taylor's already thinking about Adama before he, he comes on. I reckon. I reckon Neil Taylor must have must have had the commentary piped piped into him in a kind of <laughs> you know like a hidden kind of earpiece or something. Because well, the, the whole defence, you know, Adama had been on for what. 60 seconds, two, 
two minutes, and it had already sowed seeds of doubt in Villa's head. So much so that I know they've shown the you know they've gone back and, and, and shown the highlights of, of the goal back again. But it was that school playground kind of swamp, you know, move towards yeah, yeah, the ball yeah. and one person. And Wolves just kind of, you know, even we, we, we thought Adama would be doing the damage down the flank and he'd be the one who'd be delivering the ball for Jimenez or whatever to get on the end of. I think just just his mere presence kind of had unsettled the Villa back four because of all the hype or, or because they'd obviously, you know, they've obviously seen their videos of, of what he's capable of. Uh, and it just, oh, can't believe it, can you? You say that, but you can. That's the frustrating thing. You can believe it. You can believe that Villa kind of just fold and, and go into their shell a little bit. I've seen a freeze frame from the goal of, of the defensive line and it's more like a rhombus than a, a straight back line. Is a rhombus the right word? It's like a diagonal. They just kind of all bunched together around whoever the Wolves player was in the box and it's just sloppy. It's just, it's just really poor at this point and there's, I'm not kind of, as I've said before, tactically astute enough to be able to point out what's wrong with this Villa side and, and neither are you because that's not our job to do that and I'm I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend to look at stats and analysis and, and make assumptions on what, what I'm read and what I'm reading it's just rubbish as a football fan what we're watching is rubbish the side is nowhere near good enough and if we don't pull something out of the bag in a game that we're not expected to like a Liverpool Man United or Arsenal I think even if we do beat West Ham and Crystal Palace and that's it, I don't think that will be enough. We have to pull out a, a mad result out of nowhere and from what we've seen so far, Villa aren't going to do that. My feeling is that Aston, if Jack Grealish doesn't come along with all guns blazing... Um, I know, but he then, can't do it on his own though, can he? Either? No, he can't, but this is, what we've, this is what we've come to now. If Jack Grealish doesn't do it, if he doesn't pull the strings, if, if he's not the, the main man, then Aston Villa are nil-nil is the best that they can hope for, which when you've got the worst defence defense in the Premier League, a nil-nil is never going to be achieved. It's never going to be achieved. Uh, and you can have all the kind of brave defensive blocks in the world. If you if your back line can be kind of so disjointed like a dog's hind leg, um, you know, just because of the fear factor of, of, of this kind of one, one man coming onto the pitch, then, you know, your clean sheet's been and gone and, and all your hard work has disappeared. And, you know, I was encouraged by the team today in terms of when when we we saw the team sheet and, and what Smith had done. You know, I think he was probably right to rest McGinn. I think he he was right to 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 try and bring a bit of a presence further up the pitch, and I think he was right to to leave Trezeguet and Al Ghazi out. Um, the problem is when you do that. And then you're crying for subs, <laughs> subs yeah. later in the game. Who have you got? You got the ones you left out, haven't you? Obviously, um, but it's basics. It's if if Villa are only going to get really fleeting glimpses of goal from against a Wolves team who are super disciplined. You know that they, they, their shape is super rigid when they haven't got the ball and those flying wing backs tuck back in and make it a five. Then. You've got to be really, really bang on at set pieces. Oh, the set pieces. You know, so many times, kind of, they were just sailing, sailing nowhere near, or they were sailing into the goalkeeper's, goalkeeper's arms, or they were flying, flying over the bar. And I'm just thinking, come on, these are the things that you listen the way the way people deal if, if footballers are making reactions and, and and doing things when you've got two people marking you, I can understand it, you know 
that's going to be that's going to be difficult. That's going to have to be you playing on instinct. But when you've got the time to stop the game, Villa taking set piece, set pieces sometimes is like a kind of darts player. Kind of you know, if you're a darts player, you're drilled to kind of go after whether it's your double top, your treble twenty, your double, <laughs> you know, your double eight, your bullseye, whatever it is, and hit it routinely more often than not. And okay, as a darts player, you don't have somebody kind of giving you a nudge or backing into you or whatever than like that. But equally, as a darts player, you don't turn around and throw a, throw a dart into the crowd, do you? You try and get it, you try and get it somewhere near the board. I wondered where that contrived analogy was going there, but you're decent. You've made me laugh. I like that. But it, it's true though, isn't it? That's that's your one moment where you stop the game and you do the things that you've been drilling relentlessly all week in training. And if you can't do that, you know, might as well, well all go home, aren't we? Well, we are all at home. I tweeted during the game, which is something my driving instructor said to me once, where on the road, again, I'm going to take you down a little analogy. What was here. it that he said, by the way? Was it, Christ, Dan, open your eyes, Dan! You're going to kill us both! He said to me once, whenever you're faced with like a 50-50 decision, you can either do the right thing or the wrong thing. He says, you'll do the wrong thing every single time. Like, you can either, you know, you know when you're waiting to pull out and there's a stream of cars coming and you should wait for the gap and that's the right choice to go. He says, you'll let that gap go and then try and scoot out before somebody when you shouldn't or something like that. And he's like, every time there's a 50-50, 100% of the time you do it wrong and I've that came to me during the game and I tweeted it saying that why is it that Villa always do that if we have a we have a set piece and Tyrone Mings and Courtney Hawes and Ezri Concert all go up for it and we play it short I don't know where this bad decision making comes from and somebody replied to my tweet saying it's bad coaching but is it bad coaching for, for players to make wrong decisions so regularly you know even if you reduce us down to being a one man team with Jack Grealish or you know a uh, a good enough championship side but nowhere near good enough for the Premier League like you say if you're going to get even three or four half decent set pieces a game whether that be a corner or, or a deep cross or whatever it is even if you're only good at that part of the game and for the other 85 minutes you're terrible if that does enough to nick you a point or, or three we'd all take that at this point but we can't even be good enough to to take advantage of those fleeting set pieces as well so if we can't even do that there's there's very little hope isn't there I think can I can I Lighten the mood a little bit. Go on, then. Let's talk about that goalkeeping howler. Oh, mate. <laughs> I'd forgotten all about that. I don't know how. What on earth was that? It was like, it was like you know, when you play FIFA or, or Pro Evo against someone who doesn't know the buttons, <laughs> they just throw the ball out and it just rolls straight to you. It was like that. It was like playing a kid on, on FIFA that doesn't know what button to press and they just press the wrong button. Again, it's just it's laughable, isn't it? That If that's your goalkeeper, what, what kind of confidence does that instill to the rest of the team when he's literally throwing the ball away to the opposition? <laughs> I, th- I think it's like, like I say, it's like you, when I you, mean, you said you brought that up to light in the mood, but I'm more annoyed now because I've forgotten it about was, that. It was funny though, wasn't it? Because we got away with it. I like, I, I liken it to when you're down the park playing, playing catch or fetch with a dog, and you kind of throw it, and you, you know, you, but you don't actually throw it. And you think the dog's <laughs> going, you think the dog's going to go and chase it, but you don't, you, you know, except. In this case, the kind of dog was the intelligent one, and and the, and the thrower kind of actually let it slip. Oh, listen, it's it's embarrassing, mate. Is what it is. To take your point earlier, you know, and this is again is is our kind of our deep dig for positives, and it is a really horrible positive. But I thought we were going to lose three or four, and that goal difference. Oh, 
How lame does how lame does it sound? How low have we sunk that we're clinging it's like the to the last episode, isn't it? When we were looking at it, going, "Oh well, if Bournemouth lose or if Watford lose, and we we kind of get away with it, and that's what we'll be doing tomorrow. We'll be hoping all the sides above us lose, just in the hope that we've not lost any ground except one less game played. But the fact that we're scrambling around thinking that losing one nil to Wolves might help our goal difference in a month's time is, is pathetic. We should be far better than that, and. I think even if we were all expecting a relegation scrap this year, or, or not all of us, but certain fans were expecting a relegation scrap this year, I don't think we were expecting us to be so pathetic as we have been and to be kind of going down without a fight at this point. I think we all thought that Dean Smith would give it a good go and there was a, you know, a selection of half-decent players in that squad who would who would kind of give it their all. And the fact that we're kind of just meandering around the pitch doing nothing, is it's just embarrassing. Oh, goodness me. Ah, big sigh. Ah. I'm just fed up of it now. Because you might as well just relegate, relegate us now and put us out of our misery. Yeah, but listen, look on the bright side. We're going. We're, we're playing away at the reigning Premier League champions. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we can only hope that um, that Jurgen. Uh, Jurgen and Co have kind of had a you know a kind of week and a half a ten ten day party. I've seen some footage online actually of Jurgen Klopp doing some weird dance moves. Um, so let's just hope that you know hope that their their party's rolling on to such an extent. We said this before that they, they have to dig out the under twelves, um, unleash Almo on them. We're absolutely massively up against it, and I for one feel very very downbeat and not confident in any way that we're going to get out of this. So. That's my analysis for today. Yeah, I'm done, mate, as well. I don't. Um, I'm not even going to watch the rest of the the matches over the weekend. I'm at, more preferable than, than than finding out how Villa's relegations are going and praying for them to lose. I think I'm going to weed the garden. I'd rather I'd rather pull up thistles with my bare hands than uh, have to suffer any more of that. Thank you for tuning in to Claret and Blue. Whether you are listening, whether you're watching and listening on YouTube, or whether you're following us, following us from all the major podcast platforms um yeah just you know as much as this sounds like the lamest thing that's ever come out of my mouth keep the faith still not cut adrift six games to go yada 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 the important thing that we as villa fans we as human beings need to remember is this uh leave us a nice review on itunes if you can please all all right thanks up the villa thank you for listening to claret and blue an aston villa podcast If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.